Chapter sixteen of the Love Affairs of Pixie by Mrs. George Dehorn Vesey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Runkle intervenes. As little Jack continued to progress toward convalescence, the attention of the household became increasingly absorbed by the astounding fact of Pixie's projected engagement bridgie detained at home by malapropos ailments on the part of the children wrote urgent letters by daily posts contradicting herself on every point saving one alone the advisability of delay geoffrey hilliard as host dick victor as guardian jack pat and miles as brothers proposed seconded and carried by acclamation the same waiting policy and no one who has the faintest knowledge of human nature will need to be told that such an attitude had the effect of rousing the youthful lovers to the liveliest impatience stanor in particular was moved to rebellion his pride was hurt by so lukewarm a reception of his addresses which was all the more disagreeable for being unexpected the hilliards had shown so much friendship and hospitality to him as a friend that he had taken for granted that they would welcome him in a closer relationship he was not a great parti it was true but then by her own confession pixie had no fortune of her own and had been accustomed to modest means stanor did not say to himself in so many words that he happened to possess an exceptionally handsome and popular personality he refused even to frame a definite thought to that effect nevertheless the consciousness was there and added to his chagrin lounging along the country lanes his hands thrust deep into his pockets stanor told himself that it was a disappointing old world a fellow always imagined that when he got engaged he would have the time of his life in books a fellow was represented as walking upon air in a condition of rapture too intense for belief it was disappointing to find his own experience fall so short of the ideal sweet little pixie of course was a beguiling creature stanor would not admit any shortcomings in his fiancee but he did allow himself to wonder tentatively if he had spoken too soon if she were not perhaps a trifle young to understand the meaning of the new claim the daily interviews which he had been vouchsafed had been full of interest and charm but they had not succeeded in stifling the doubt which had marred the first minutes of acceptance for alas it was when pixie was the most affectionate that her lover was most acutely conscious of the subtle want and then as if there was not already enough worry and trouble there was the runkle the runkle would be bound to put in his oar stanor had delayed sending word of his engagement to the man who stood to him in the place of a father silencing his conscience by the assertion that there was yet nothing to announce until pixie's guardians came down from their present unnatural position there might be an understanding but there could not be said to be a formal engagement it was pixie herself who finally forced him to dispatch the news it was stanor's first experience of arguing a point with a woman 
and a most confusing experience he found it pixie invariably agreed with every separate argument as he advanced it saw eye to eye with him on each separate point sympathized warmly with his scruples and then at the very moment when she was expected to say yes to the final decision said no and stuck to it with conviction questioned as to the reason of such inconsistency she had only one excuse to plead and she pled it so often and with such insistence that it seemed easier to give in than to continue the argument yes but he's lame came back automatically as the answer to every remonstrance till stanor shrugged his shoulders and sat down to write his letter pixie was indeed as the family had it the soft-heartedest creature he loved her for it but none the less depression seized him anew now there would be the runkle to tackle more arguments more objections a fellow ought to be jolly happy when he was married to make up for all the fuss and agitation which went before stanor's letter of announcement was short and to the point for he was not in the mood to lapse into sentiment by return of post came the runkle's reply short also and non-committal nothing more in fact than the announcement that he preferred to discuss the matter in person and would the following day arrive at a certain hotel where he bade his nephew meet him stanner therefore made his excuses to his hostess packed his bag and dispatched a letter of explanation to his fiancee unconscious of the fact that she was at that very hour receiving information first hand it came about in the most natural and simple fashion as pixie roaming the grounds bareheaded to gather a bouquet of wild flowers to present to the little invalid emerged suddenly upon the drive she found a tall grey-coated stranger leaning against a tree in an attitude expressive of collapse he was very tall and very thin the framework of his shoulders was high and broad but from them the coat seemed to flap around a mere skeleton of a frame his hair was dark his complexion pale and leaning back with closed eyes he looked so alarmingly ill and spent that dropping the flowers to the ground pixie leaped forward to the rescue you're ill let me help there's a seat close by lean on me the stranger opened his eyes and pixie started as most people did start when they first looked into stephen glynn's eyes which were of that deep intense blue which is romantically dubbed purple and fringed with dark lashes which added still further to their depth they were sad eyes tired eyes eyes of an exceeding and pitiful beauty eloquent of suffering and repression they looked out under dark level brows and with their intense earnestness of expression flooded the thin face with life as she met their gaze pixie drew a quick gasping breath of surprise the stranger in his turn looked surprised and startled he bent his head in involuntary salute and glanced down at the tiny arm offered for his support six foot two he stood in his stockinged feet 
and there was this scrap of a girl offering her little doll-like arm for support his lips twitched and pixie pounced on the meaning with her usual agility but i'm wiry she announced proudly you wouldn't believe my strength till you try it just for a few yards round the corner by the oak tree please you are too kind i am not ill but the walk from the station is very steep and i found it tiring that's all i shall be glad to rest for a moment but i assure you no help is needed he took a step forward as he spoke a quick halting step and pixie looking on exclaimed sharply the runkle stanor's runkle it is you the stranger looked down sharply his dark brows puckering in astonishment i am stephen glynn the runkle is my nephew is pleased to call me but you-you cannot be pixie nodded vehemently i am pixie o'shaughnessy going to be your niece i made stanor right to tell you they seated themselves on the bench under the oak tree and turning faced each other in a long curious silence during which each face assumed a puzzled expression but you are younger than i expected cried pixie that is exactly what i was on the point of saying to you returned mr glynn and yet we know exactly how old we both are twenty and thirty-five pixie continued volubly but you know how it is with young men they have no patience to explain you'd be amused if you could see the image i'd made of you in my own mind i expect twas the same with yourself it was agreed mr glynn and for a moment imagined that his disappointment was his own secret only for a moment however then pixie tilted her head at him with a sideways nod of comprehension knowing of course that i was a sister of the beautiful mrs hilliard no wonder you're disappointed the eyes smiled sympathy at him and the wide lips parted in the friendliest of smiles you'll like me better when you know me i-i-i'm quite sure stammered mr glynn and then drew himself up suddenly as if doubtful if agreement were altogether polite under the circumstances once more his lips twitched and as their eyes met he and pixie collapsed together into an irresistible laugh he laughed well a rare and charming accomplishment and pixie regarded him with benign approval quite romantic isn't it the noble kinsman journeying in state to demand the hand of the charming maid falls ill of the perils of the way and encounters a simple cottage-maid gathering flowers who succours the stranger in distress their identity is then revealed i do love romances cried pixie gushingly and it's much nicer having an interview out here than in a stuffy room please mr kinsman begin he frowned bitted his under lip and moved restlessly on the seat glancing once and again at the girl's bright unclouded face i'm afraid he began slowly 
that the matter is not altogether as simple as you suppose stanor is not in a position to marry without my consent i think he has not sufficiently appreciated this fact if he had consulted me in the first instance i should have endeavoured to prevent she turned her eyes upon him like a frightened child there was no trace of anger nor wounded pride those he could have faced with ease but the simple shock of the young face smote on his heart i had not seen you remember he cried quickly my decision had no personal element i object at this stage to stanor becoming engaged to anybody he has no doubt explained to you our relationship his parents being dead i made myself responsible for his training he may have explained to you also my wish that for a few years he should be free to enjoy his youth without any sense of responsibility pixie nodded gravely he has i understood you had missed those years yourself and knew they could never come back so you gave them to him as a gift young happy years without a care that he could treasure up in his mind and remember all his life twas a big gift stanor and i are grateful to you stephen glynn looked at her a long thoughtful glance the programme which he had mapped out for his nephew had been unusual enough to attract much notice he had been alternately annoyed and amused by the criticism of his neighbours all of whom seemed incapable of understanding his real motives it seemed a strange thing that it should be reserved for this slip of a girl to see into his inmost heart he was touched and impressed but that stanor and i hardened him to his task thank you you do understand at the moment stanor may perhaps be inclined to question the wisdom of my programme but i think in after years he will as you say look back the fact remains however that he has not yet tackled the real business of life he has with my concurrence plenty of change and variety which i believe in the end will prove of service in his life's work and he has stood the test many young fellows of his age would have abused their opportunities he has not done so my only disappointment has been that he has developed no definite taste but has been content to flit from one fancy to the next always carried away by the latest novelty on the horizon once again she tilted her head and scanned him with her wide clear eyes you mean me she said quickly i'm the latest novelty you mean that he'll change about me too isn't that what you mean my dear miss o'shaughnessy incredible though it appeared stephen had been on the verge of saying pixie pure and simple you leap too hastily to conclusions i am afraid i must appear an odious person believe me i had no intention of rushing into the very heart of this matter as we have done 
my plan was to call upon your sister and explain to her my position tis not my sister's business tis mine interrupted pixie firmly and it would be a waste of time talking to her for she'd agree with every word you said they don't want me to be engaged they think i'm too young if you have anything to say say it to me i'm the person to be convinced she settled herself more comfortably as she spoke turning towards him with one arm resting on the back of the bench and her head leaning against the upturned hand the sun shone on her face through the flickering branches no she was not pretty not in the least the sort of girl stanor was accustomed to fancy yet there was something extraordinarily attractive about the little face with its clear eyes its wide generous mouth its vivacity of expression already after a bare ten minutes acquaintance stephen glynn so shrank from the prospect of hurting pixie o'shaughnessy that it required an effort to keep an unflinching front i agree with your people he said resolutely that you and stanor are too young and that this matter has been settled too hastily apart from that i should object to any engagement until he has proved his ability to work for a wife i have a position in view for him in a large mercantile house in new york after a couple of years experience there he would come back to the london house and if his work justified it i am prepared to buy him a partnership in the firm he would then be his own master free to do as he chose but for these two years he must be free with no other responsibility than this work you think queried pixie slowly that i should interfere that he would do his work better without me it's not a question of thinking miss o'shaughnessy i am not content to think i want to make sure that stanor will settle seriously to work and keep in the same mind he is a good fellow a dear fellow but hitherto at least he has not been stable he has never been engaged before not actually i have been forewarned in time to prevent matters reaching that length twice over a small hand waved imperiously for silence i don't think said pixie sternly that you have any right to tell me things like that if stanor wants me to know he can tell me himself it's his affair i am not at all curious she drew a fluttering breath and stared down at the ground and a silence followed during which stephen was denouncing himself as a hard-hearted tyrant when suddenly a minute voice spoke in his ear were they pretty it was impossible to resist the smile which twitched at his lips unpleasant as was the nature of his errand he the most unsmiling of men had already twice over been moved to merriment stephen was reflecting on the incongruity of the fact when pixie again answered his unspoken retort it's not curiosity it's interest 
quite a different thing and even if they were it's much more serious when a man cares for a girl for her um mental attractions because they go on getting better instead of fading away like a pretty face it's very difficult to know what is right i've promised stanor and he has promised me and it seems a poor way of showing that you know your own mind to break your word at the beginning i don't ask you to break your word miss o'shaughnessy only to hold it in abeyance i am speaking in stanor's interests which we have equally at heart i know his character forgive me better than you can do and i am asking you to help me in arranging a probation which i know to be wise under the circumstances let him go to new york a free man let him work and show his mettle and at the end of two years if you are both of the same mind i will give you every help in my power but meantime there must be no engagement no tie no regular correspondence you must both be perfectly free i am sorry to appear hard-hearted but these are my conditions and i can't see my way to alter them well why not cried pixie unexpectedly what's two years they'll pass in no time and men hate writing stanor will be relieved not to have to bother about the mails he can do without letters he will know that i'm waiting she held out her hand with a sudden radiant smile and you will be pleased it is the least we can do to consider your wishes if i persuade stanor if i send him away alone to work the small fingers tightened ingratiatingly over his you will like me won't you you will think of me as a real niece stephen glynn's deep blue eyes stared deeply into hers he did not deliberately intend to put his thoughts into speech if he had given himself a moment to think he would certainly not have done so but so strong was the mental conviction that the words seemed to form themselves without his volition you don't love him you could not face a separation so easily if you loved him as you should for the first time a flash of real anger showed itself on pixie's face her features hardened the child disappeared and he caught a glimpse of the woman that was to be what right have you to say that she asked deeply you prove to me that it would be for stanor's good to wait and then say i cannot love him because i agree you love him yet you can hurt him and bring him disappointment when you feel it is right i understood that so i was not angry but in return you might understand me forgive me cried stephen i should not have said it you deserved a better return for your kindness i suppose i must seem very illogical but it did not occur to me that the two cases were on a parallel the love of a fiance is not as a rule as well balanced as that of an uncle miss o'shaughnessy well it ought to be asserted pixie it ought to be everything that another love is and more a man's future wife ought to be the person of all others to be reasonable and unselfish and 
logical where he is concerned even if it means separation for a dozen years no answer stephen gazed blankly into space as if unconscious of her words oughtn't she uh, theoretically miss o'shaughnessy she ought very well then i am proud that i am and so ought you to be too it's strange how i'm misunderstood my family say the same thing esmeralda geoffrey stanor himself and it hurts for no one before has ever doubted if i could love she was silent for a minute twisting her fingers together in restless fashion then looking suddenly into his face she asked what do you know about it to be so sure have you ever been in love stephen flushed never no i-i was my accident cut me off from all such things what a pity she would have helped you through she smiled into his eyes with a beautiful sweetness well mr glynn if i am too reasonable to please you perhaps stanor will make up for it you mayn't find it so easy to influence him i am sure of that i look forward to a stiff time but if you are on my side we shall bring him round now perhaps i had better continue my way to the house and see mrs hilliard this is pre-eminently your business as you say but still she'll expect it yes pixie rose to her feet with an air of depression and she'll crow they'll all crow it's what they wanted and when you come and lay down an ultimatum they'll rejoice and triumph her small face assumed an aspect of acute dejection that's the worst of being the youngest it's a trying thing when your family insist on sitting in committees about your own affairs when you understand them so much better yourself i'm not even supposed to understand the feelings of my own heart without a sister to translate them for me shouldn't you think now a girl of twenty nearly twenty-one is old enough to know that i don't think it's a foregone conclusion more things than years go to the formation of character miss o'shaughnessy and if you will allow me to say so you seem to me very young for your age i always was sighed pixie sadly they've said that all my life some people always are young and some are old there was a girl at school middle-aged at thirteen poor creature and had been from her birth my sister bridgie will never be more than seventeen if she lives to a hundred and i mean myself to stick at twenty it doesn't mean trying to look younger than you are or being ashamed of your age and silly and frivolous it's just keeping your heart young the man who was young in years and old in heart looked down at the girl with a very sad smile she spoke as if it were such an easy thing to do he knew by bitter experience that under such circumstances as his own it was of all tasks the most difficult to stand aside during the best years to see the tide of life rush by and have no part in the great enterprise 
and then to regain his powers when youth had passed and the keen savour of youth had died down into a dull indifference to be dependent for love on the careless affection of a lad how was it possible for a man to keep his heart warm in such circumstances as these life has been kind to you he answered dryly and pixie flung him a quick retort i have been kind to it if i'd chosen i might have found it hard enough we were always poor i never remember a time when i hadn't to pretend and make up because it was impossible to get what i wanted then i was sent to school and i hated going and my father died when i was away and they told me the news with not a soul belonging to me anywhere near and i loved my father far more than other girls love theirs then we left knock if you'd lived in a castle and gone to a villa in a street with a parlour in front and a dining-room behind looking out on the kitchen wall you wouldn't talk about life being kind i was in france for years being educated and not able to repine because it was a friend and she'd taken me cheaply perhaps you'd say that was luck and an advantage and it was but all the same it's hard on a young thing to have to enjoy herself in a foreign language and spend the holidays with a maiden lady in a snuffy old pair because there wasn't enough money to come home yes concluded pixie with a smirk of satisfaction i've had my trials and now i'm to be crossed in love and have my young lover rent from me you wouldn't have the audacity to call life easy after that stephen tried valiantly to look sympathetic but it was useless he was obliged to smile and pixie smiled with him adding cheerily anyway it's living and i do love it when things happen it's so dreadfully interesting to be alive the man who was old before his time looked down upon the girl with a wistful glance small as she was insignificant as she had appeared at first sight he had never seen any one more intensely vitally alive her tiny feet skimmed the ground her tiny head reared itself jauntily on the slender neck the brilliance of her smile the embracing kindliness of her glance more than compensated for the plainness of her features like most people who made the acquaintance of pixie o'shaughnessy stephen glynn was already beginning to fall under her spell and marvel at the blindness of his first impression she was not plain she was not insignificant she was on the contrary unusually fascinating and attractive but she does not love him stephen repeated to himself she does not know what love means when she does when she has grown into a woman and understands what a wife what a companion she will make End of chapter 16